Does that does that mean that you're Steve? <laughs> no. Uh, no, actually, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess so. What did he just call you? Yeah, say that again, say it again. I didn't hear that. Uh, my mic's say not it a little bit, but right you gotta there. say it a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to make sure the world heard that. That's going to be the clip for the beginning. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of the Super Agile Bros podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Super Agile Brothers, Super Agile Nation, as I like to call it. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode. It's your weekly doctor-appointed, recommended dose of nerd culture. All day, every day. And you don't even need to go to the local CVS to get it. You don't. That's right. You don't Bring even have to cough. You don't even have to call. We'll give you this vaccine <laughs> free of charge. So I was going to say that I'm in the studio by myself, but as you can hear, everyone is here with me today. <laughs> we spoiled this joke. <laughs> he tried. He it's tried. okay. Hey, I didn't get there fast enough. It's on me. He, he took too long, yeah. Too much silence. We gotta hear, We can't hear, We can't live without hearing ourselves talk. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 30 seconds tops. I work from home and literally, like, I just pause the music sometimes and just yell so I can hear my own voice. Mm. Well, I'm constantly talking to myself. I, Shailene, you know, my wife, she's she's very much accustomed to me having, like, full-out, like, discussions. Like, okay, so if I do this, and then, so, yeah, I don't need coworkers. I'm me. I'm my own coworker. I'm she's right team there. Of 10. So team of 10. Don't even acknowledge anybody else. Wait, you had to introduce us. I'm sorry I interrupted you. That's all right. So yeah, I'll go ahead and introduce the fellas. I'll introduce you guys, even though everybody already knows you're here. Thanks. We'll start off with you, Steve. How's it going, bro? Oh, uh, no thank you. I'm married. That's unfortunate. I guess I'll move on then. Brad? Hey, what's happening, brother man? I love how Steve... Steve's... He, he's... <laughs> He doesn't care about the introduction. <laughs> he's, he's here for one purpose. And one purpose he's like, all right, I got, I got a joke. I'm ready. I don't know. No, actually, I'm not 100% sure, but that must be his Arrested Development joke section. No. I'm not sure. The intros? Ooh. Oh, well, maybe. That would actually not be a bad idea for the future. <laughs> no, that you gave him ideas. From, that was not from Arrested Development. Okay. I wouldn't I, know. <laughs> but anyway, today's topic. We're going. Wait, to wait, 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 wait! Before we go to today's topic, oh, oh, oh. I, I need to I need to stop us before we do anything because I might forget to ask this. Okay. I need to ask you, Steve and Kyle, did you receive my package? So moving on to today's topic. No, no, no! Answer the question for the people. A freak UPS accident where my package was run over multiple times. Multiple mm. times. Multiple times. They didn't say why it happened multiple times. By your car? <laughs> it was yeah. cataclysmically damaged. That, that's why it's a freak accident. It was my car. Mm. Yeah, mm. I just I just received an empty package. Uh, no, no idea what contents were inside. Um, what, 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 let me ask you guys. <laughs> you know, I don't want to take too much time on today's episode. What do you, what do you think it would might have been in that package if, if it went for empty packages or freak accidents? You know? Well, I was wondering, maybe he got us like a t-shirt or like a super agile bros, like memorabilia or sunglasses or something. Something you know, to, better. Something better. Yeah. To I commemorate was ex- our familyhood. 
I was expecting anything other than hate mail, but that's what I received. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're saying it was, oh, I guess I did it through mail, so is that considered a federal, like, terrorist, <laughs> terrorist attack? I feel attacked. Yeah, I didn't expect for there to be white powder inside the envelope when I opened it. <laughs> it might feel like white powder in your lungs, in your eyes, particularly in your eyes. But it was it was something great. I need one of you guys to say it because I can't say it. You have to say it. So because... I opened up the package and showed it to Mrs. Yams, and she was appalled as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was a beautiful, seductive even, Blu-ray package. But inside is a horrible, yeah. horrible secret. A physical copy of something that we thought was wiped from the face of the earth. Or you could only hope. Yes. The E.T. video game. Mm. On, on, on Blu-ray. Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> on Blu-ray. Probably would play better. Honestly. Just use your controller. <laughs> it plays exactly the same. All those pixels to render all those six polygons. You, you know what? This is what I'll say to our Super Agile Bros family and nation. What I did for, you know, Kyle and Steve Four. was me you did the, following, you did this up to on, us. following up on a promise yeah. that <laughs> we made to you. Like that we are all in. I want to make sure that people know we're all in. Something that I know that everyone who heard us, heard us was very excited about us following up on. Yes. Very excited. Yeah. All right. One of you guys have to say right. We're like, they, like somebody's going to just like, man, I hate this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> They've already guys, stopped listening. Y'all could do paper, scissors, rock, and buy. I'll, I'll just uh, do mouth. it. I'll do it. Uh, Brad, <laughs> save me the trouble of tracking down a streaming service or Amazon or whatever. And he bought us both. And I assume, I presume himself, uh, a copy of Avatar and The Last Airbender. Or is it just The Last Airbender? Game of the Year edition. Of- Movie of the Year edition? <laughs> no, Game of the Year. Director's um, cut. <laughs> director's cut. Zack Snyder. Yes. I I could I was, you know, I've been thinking about it and I've been like, you know, nobody's been saying anything. We've been like <laughs> da- dancing around this issue and I was like, I know what's going to happen if I say, "Hey guys, let's do the last airbender we need to watch it." <sighs> Everybody's going to go, "Ah, what streaming software network? I don't know. It's only on HBO. I don't have I a don't... VCR." Exactly. So I said, let me just go through that. And surprisingly, the Blu-ray is very cheap. I surprisingly. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> wow, how astonishing. Surprisingly, it was very cheap. Uh, you know, and, and you know, free shipping because of Prime. So, yes, we are all now equipped. Joke's to, on uh, you. I don't have a Blu-ray player. You have a PlayStation 4. Dang you it, have a Blu-ray player. I thought about this. I thought this through. I considered. I said, does Steve have a Blu-ray? And I was like, oh, wait a second. We all have PlayStations. There's no excuse. Why do I want to no. watch this movie on Blu-ray? Because <laughs> you want to see high-definition Avatar <laughs> action. I want to see every fingernail and the outstretched hands of Ong as oh, it God. reaches for, for my heart. Yes. 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 You You need to experience it. Is that Dolby surround sound? They got a VR <laughs> mode. They got everything. VR you can mode. even pl- watch it in Fortnite. So it's like in every Fortnite. It's in Fortnite. <laughs> no one told me that. I Ong, gotta play Fortnite now. Ong and Soka are in Fortnite. Soka. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I had to pull that out now because I knew that you know. Oh, we, oh, we got to end now. We got to close it out. Like now. Nah, sorry, yeah. beginning. So anyway, back to you, Kyle. So we're just, just gonna, gonna do sure a review. 
of the box art. We're not actually going to watch the movie. Yes. Oh, speaking of the box art, I'm going to say this really quickly. <laughs> Somebody really did hate it because I received a DVD and it was already broken. The, the case. <laughs> were, the the case was broken. The case was broken. The case is broken. I'm not sure if the, the movie plays yet. I need to test it. But like... It was lit. I thought I was tripped. I was like, maybe it's something wrong when I was like touching it in the package. Nah, they broke the whole case. Like somebody knew it was in there and threw it on the ground and stomped on it. I'm not yeah. confident that my perfectly pristine copy will play. <laughs> it's just a bootleg. Like, some dude, like honestly, the Amazon store is just a dude at a barbershop with his trunk <laughs> open. <laughs> hey kids, want some Avatar? <laughs> you want some laptop, man? Y'all like yeah, Air? Three dollars. Three dollars. Y'all like Air? <laughs> anyway, Kyle. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> so yeah, look forward to that coming uh, in 2025. We're gonna watch that movie. Um, mm. But today's episode has nothing, thankfully, to do with that atrocity. But we're gonna be talking about something more practical in the gaming area, gaming sense. We're gonna be talking about traditional games. So that includes things like tabletop games board games, card games, uh, physical games, things like that. Games that are not video games and not okay. sports. Yes. Not sports. Okay. I know you're going to get into this, but I just want to ask, mm-hmm. is Solitaire considered a traditional game? Yeah, why not? I think it started out as a card game, right? It's it's literally a card game. Yeah. Okay. So if it's a card game I played only on the computer, it's all good. Dang, that's my that was my loophole was was I play solitaire on the computer? Ooh, so yeah, that's a good question because I did want to go into I guess the transition that some traditional games have made into the digital space. But okay, okay I'll just I'll, I'll withdraw my my question, counselor or whatever judge. I'll say um, this. I'll say this. <laughs> if the game was mostly left unchanged, like if you could play it exactly the same with cards then I would say it still counts. Okay. Sure. Because a lot of these ports have added things that you simply can't do in real life. Okay. Really? Fair enough. I would love to talk about that. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. We can talk about it. Okay. So anyway, sorry. Just had to ask a question. Cool, cool. Yeah. So I guess my initial question to you guys then would be, and maybe this will kind of tie into that maybe a little bit when when was the last time either you guys even played a traditional game i guess maybe even outside of digital but i guess as well as digital okay uh i'll let steve answer that first the question is when was the last time i played that uh traditional game yeah not too uh or pretty recently i think definitely the one i can think of immediately um for Oh, no, not for Christmas. I guess it was Thanksgiving. Last time I went home, I um, played Catan with my mother and brother. Uh, Settlers of Catan. Or Catan, Ooh, yeah. if you will. Catan. That's a household favorite. Um, I actually used to play that a lot back in high school. Um, all my friends would play it. We finished our, we, our math class finished early in the year. So like the last, I don't know, week and a half of school... That whole period was just like hanging out and staying out of trouble for the most part. So we played a lot of Catan in school too. Oh, and wow. I got I got so fed up with it, man. Like it's a fun <laughs> game. I just kind of got tired of it. Oh, and then we played in college too with Jordan. That's but the that, one with the the resources, right? Yes. Should I explain? 
Should I go ahead and do that? Sure, why not? Yeah. Brief brief explanation. There's no point in getting into all the rules of all these games. Give us uh, Settlers of Catan. Catan. Yeah. Well, Catan <laughs> isn't even that complex, to be honest. There's a lot of games that are ultra complex. Uh, Settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan is a game where uh, each player has or controls settlements or basically villages and cities on a small hexagon or map. And the map is divided in hexagonal zones. And uh, you, every turn, someone throws a die and you, everyone collects resources based on which, based on the die roll and, and luck. Um, and then you use your resources to expand your empire. So building roads, building more villages and cities. And the point is to get to 10 points, your awarded points based on how much you build. And you get to 10 points before anyone else. And that's how you win. That's the gist of it. Yes, yes. Yeah, and, I remember it. But it's it's something that I think escapes that explanation is that there's a lot of focus on trading and cooperation um, and competition because resources are not evenly distribu- distributed. And so inevitably some people will have something you want and you can make trades on your turn. You know, my least yes. favorite trade would be um, f- futures. <laughs> People are like if you give this to me now, I'll give you two of these later. And I'm like, don't don't do that. <laughs> Trade what you yeah. have. IOUs. I draw stock, the line. The stock market. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, I, I played that game a good bit with like my youth group, and it it can get pretty heated if people don't want to trade. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't even know if like, is that a rule? Is that like a house rule, or is that like the actual rules? that you can trade trading is a is a rule okay i'm sure like it's 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 built into the game yeah because i feel like it's always a little bit like suspect that's fair (laughs) i mean there's definitely some trade. so like one of the rules of the game is that if at any point anyone rolls a seven which obviously is the most common role statistically speaking uh then anybody who has more than seven cards in his hand loses some number of cards and so Jordan, our handstand guy from last episode, uh, or two episodes ago, I think, he would have a ton of cards in his hand and he would basically say, hey, if you do this for me, or if you hold cards for me to lower my hand, then I will, you know, give you a card or something like that. Ooh, that's so and to me, I was like, that is not allowed. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. That, that's house rules. That's... That's hood rules right there. That's yeah, not even house keep rules. Keep track of that. Yeah. That's, I mean <laughs> that I mean that that reminds me of another game, uh, Monopoly, where it's just like mm-hmm. where you start doing like, look, it, I won't make you pay rent this time. If the next time that I land on, you know what I'm saying, or yeah, like da 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 da. Well, I think in Monopoly that kind of makes sense because Monopoly is supposed to feel like capitalism, and that's if nothing else, like capitalism. It's shady. Let you do anything you want, <laughs> but I mean, I feel like I feel like Catan that makes sense too. It's about expanding your empire, building your towns and villages sure. and infrastructure, and you kind of have to make deals in order mm-hmm. to make that happen with neighboring nations who might be competing for the same resources. That's fair. I mean, I, mean, I think that game is super duper fun because, like, to me, like games like Catan. I love games that fundamentally frustrate people <laughs> because, <course> you do. <laughs> because to me, like it's 
it's a part like i feel like it's a part of the human experience like it's interesting because you watch people's characters really start to show through like a game like Catan mm. or monopoly right like what do you do when you're on top what do you do when you're at the bottom what do you do when you're in the middle you know and just watching people's characters play out how they start to sometimes attack each other if it's advantageous to themselves or sometimes just capitulate like ah whatever like luck's not on my side you know it's kind of i think a reflection of our society as a whole i'm getting deep but like i think Mm -hmm. it's very interesting um and just i'm gonna say this i think one reason well first of all i remember steve saying oh i don't like Catan for whatever reason now it makes sense because he played it all the time and one time uh our our church what was a singles group Mm -hmm. and campus group went on a uh a trip to Galveston, Texas. Oh, we, I remember. We this. were all hanging out in an Airbnb, and we played Catan, and <laughs> that game literally wouldn't end. It literally got to the point where I think I just had a headache, mm. and I was like, "Look, son, <laughs> just like like one of the guys was win- like about to win, and I was like, look, son, I want you to win, and I want this to be over with, <laughs> so yeah. I can go because I have a headache.'" Was and it, it just, me? Was it, did I win that? I don't think it was you. I think it was Dave or somebody. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, like, I remember it was just, like, everybody trying to get some one individual to win. Like, mm-hmm. I want to win, but my head was hurting, and right. I was like, it's been, like, four hours now, and we were playing with too many people, mm-hmm. like, and we had messed up the game a little bit, so that, like, it kind of forced a stalemate. We weren't following one of the rules. I can't remember what it was. So, it was, it was rough. And I've, I cannot convince Shailene to play Catan with me. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember Shailene and one of the other girls was, were like, asleep. they were, they were like, you know, angry, angry asleep, you know, when they're, yes. they're drowsy and they're angry. Ooh. And their whole yes. face is just expression. That's a rough mix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so is that the latest game you played too, Brad, Catan? No, actually... So the last time I played a traditional non-video game-based game was actually Wednesday oh. uh, of this of this past week, uh, and I mean, me and Shailene play board games fairly regularly. Like, it depends. Sometimes we're just in the mood, so we play more often. I think we'll probably be playing more often in the coming weeks and months. But uh, so yeah, the last game we played actually was chess so um and that was actually the first time we'd ever played chess and it just happened because of another game that i'll talk about later that led to the suggestion of chess so yeah i mean board games and traditional games like to me i just enjoy competition i enjoy losing i enjoy winning i think like life is better when you know that there's something at stake you know um and I sometimes can be a sore loser. I think I'm human. But overall, I think, like, I'm okay with losing. I'll always talk trash, though. Know that. like <laughs> To the end. That's confirmed. True. You know, like, even when Shailene's beat me, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm still the best at this game. And then she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I've only lost once. She's like, once? I'm like, ah, that's the only one I remember is this one. You know? Like, I'm going to talk trash. It's selective it's, memory. But it's not actual, like how i feel i'm just goofing off because i'm a fool so yeah fool of a took fool of a took i should say before before we continue i should say that we did 
just talk about solitaire. I mean, I play solitaire almost every day. No lie. Uh, I usually play it during our really? stand-up meetings. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, well, uh, you heard it here. Last day. Last I mean, day on the job. 70% of a stand-up meeting doesn't have anything to do with me. And yeah. I can fully hold a conversation and like follow. It actually helps me focus because it's such a low-grade task that I can like do that and not feel like I have to be reading or like fiddling around or something and like losing focus on what's happening so what i'll do for you steve is i'll bleep out that section just so <laughs> no, 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 no. Put leave it, it in <laughs> none of my co-workers listen to this anyway That's what you think. not yet yeah steve's co-workers <laughs> we'll see you in, in the comment section yeah in two years when i'm ultra famous they'll go back and they'll be like he did what <laughs> did what i mean by that time we'll be getting i don't know sponsored by honey baked ham and honey baked ham <laughs> and all different types of places so you'll you'll be good you'll be butterball good. ham butterball <laughs> we'll be sponsored by both alfido chris <laughs> butterball turkeys and honey baked hams and boar's head like Ooh. okay that's really interesting just meat products but anyway <laughs> sponsored by all the meat Popeyes. anyway i play solitaire that's that was, that was my little aside <laughs> That's nice. I don't. I don't know. The last time I I've played solitaire, I used to play it a pretty good bit too, because I, I I had it digitally. I, I never had the patience to like line up the cards. No, that sucks. In real I've, life, I've done it once, but it's not that fun. I can't shuffle either. So actually, the only time I think I've played solitaire with cards was when I was having one of the worst vacation summers of my life. Oh no! And. Nice. It was because I, I'm sorry. I just got to share the story. But so was it like a last resort? It, it was. We went to my aunt for Christmas. I mean, for uh, me and my sister went to my aunt for uh, for the summer. For a, a summer one time, and it was just that it wasn't a place like her house was fine and she's fine and everything was good. It's just that it wasn't a home for children, if that makes sense. Like mm. no cable, huh. no board games. Nothing oh. to do in the neighborhood. You can't like, eat the candy on the counter. Yeah, and then we had like pretty strict like timings of things throughout the day, and the only thing we could do is like play with my uh, little cousin in the basement. With uh, I think she had cats at that time, so we just watched the cats like for hours on end, and like <laughs> it, it was it was. What my year sister, was this? This was this, it was the year man oh man I'm sorry I don't mean to take away and take off the subject but this is so real it was the year that Star Fox came out oh in '64 oh man. I'm sure you were just and, desperate to play yes. oh and what made it worse is that my brother had like the best summer of his life he was hanging out with my other uncle and they were going everywhere they were hanging out he was a little older than us so you know he could do more stuff like in general but he also was home. When we were with my aunt and Star Fox came out and the Rumble Pack was just coming out. Man. And the commercials were fire they were. for Star Fox 64. And I remember I could see the commercials, even though we didn't have cable at my aunt's house. It was just like just the five. It was literally like five channels. And most of them just played. Uh, what's that show? House on the Prairie. Like that's the only show that was ever oh, playing. Black and white but, TV shows. Yeah, but the commercial for it was coming, and I would literally watch that commercial and just feel the pain of not like being able to experience it. Like, I, it, I, it's visceral. Like, it's visceral. Man, that was that's how I feel time. about Elden Ring. Ooh. <laughs> Nobody's withholding Elden Ring from you. <laughs> you true. can make the time, man. Don't don't be playing nobody. You can play it if you want to. You can play it during your stand ups. No, I can't. <laughs> 
All they talk about is how you don't have a maid or something, so you don't need to have the sound on. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You're good. I might as well just play the text adventure version of Elden Ring. Yo, that'd probably be pretty fire. It's just, oh, it's so just, it's just line after line of you died, you, you died. died. <laughs> Spaces and you died. Did y'all see that somebody's making Elden Elden Ring cart? Was that you who shared it? Did somebody share that? Uh, what? I don't know anything. About Elden that. Ring cart, like Mario. Yeah, cart? I, I don't know where I saw. It. I think it was on Twitter. I'll share it with you guys after the podcast. <laughs> That's so somebody, foolish. It's confirmed that it's getting built. I don't know if it's by FromSoft, but. A hundred percent doubt is from Microsoft. <laughs> you don't you don't think Miyazaki or whatever his name uh, would would uh would do it? Like, come on. I think I think it's it would be fire. <laughs> Dark Souls cart? I mean huh. So, would it so how does be how multiplayer? does player? How would that How do you translate like the feeling of the Soulsborne games into a Mario Kart experience? So the cart would be how, really slow how do you, and heavy. How, how do you like how do you transfer the feeling of Super Mario Brothers into a cart game? You don't. You make something fun. That's all you need. I don't. I, I don't. You know what they I'm saying? They did put Sonic in a cart, and it makes no sense. I would argue that Elden Ring isn't always fun. It's just very satisfying. Well, not, let me do that. That Soulsborne games are more about the satisfaction than they are about like the fun of the moment-to-moment mechanics. Is that? Is that so, not fair? So maybe the game is all about like the the tracks are obscenely difficult. Like you right. can't like get through like can't to beat it. <laughs> it's just over and over falling into holes and restarting <laughs> at the beginning. So like winning, Ooh. just finishing is like winning. So every know? race or every track is every lap is a gauntlet, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it changes, you know, constantly. And the yeah. tracks, the the tracks are randomly generated, but <laughs> they're generated out of sections that are familiar. Yes, yes. So precise. Because that, so you, for, so for each section, you'll know the timing of when to move left and right and stuff, but you mm. won't know what's coming next. Yes. And then eventually somebody will release a video of like, I beat every track on the mm-hmm. first try with no, you know, without In having to restart. minutes. Yeah. When you uh, and when you get like hit with a banana or a mush or a, a shell or something, you explode, obviously. Hmm. Yes, and then you have to start over. But if you get to the third lap and then you fall in a hole, you got to start over at the beginning. Ooh. Okay, maybe not that vicious. No, that's on brand. There will be, there will be. uh, I don't, I don't think Dark Souls games are that vicious. They're vicious, (laughs) but at least they give you like campfires or whatever, so you can save your progress. Like it's not purely destruction, so you can get a campfire. You know, so maybe you, you can know. hit. Maybe it's all the tracks or those one-offs where it's not laps, but it's a beginning mm-hmm. and an end. Beating so you can hit, hit checkpoints. You get yeah. three dodge rolls per race. <laughs> you can you can regenerate them by picking up specific items. But if you die, you lose your dodge rolls. You have to pick them up again when you go through the lap again. <laughs> and, and what if your cart isn't like when when we think of like a go kart? It's just literally a cart. That you have to drag, so it just makes your life more difficult. Like <laughs> so you're running and pulling it. <laughs> yes, you're running and pulling it. So it's it's literally the worst possible like setup for a game. Like yeah, you're just this this skinny, frail, <laughs> skeleton looking dude in a loincloth pulling a cart like Sisyphus, pulling a stone up a hill, like just <laughs> desperately struggling. What's the name of the treasure chests that? Are alive and eat you. 
Oh, oh in Souls games? Yeah. Or just in general. Mimics? Mimics. Mimics. Yeah. So I was going to say some of the question mark blocks are <laughs> actually mimics. mimics. the kills. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd be on brand for a card game. I mean. Is there a blue shell equivalent? If you're, if you're in last, can you kill oh. who's in first? Like a, one of the dragons from like uh, Dark Souls. Like you just, re- a dragon just just comes and just lays a fire blast on, on you. You just send a yeah. Rathalos because that's the only <laughs> dragon I know. <laughs> uh, so, oh, I guess back to you, Kyle. You never said what you're the last time. I mean, we went on a mad tangent. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but you were saying something. Oh, you never said what your last game was that you played. Oh, yeah. So my last game, I think, was a game called Masterpiece. Have you ever heard of that game? super old literally have never heard of that yeah i hadn't either uh so these friends of mine they live about an hour from us in slidell um great friends my brother jordan we 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 seem like we have mutual good friends named jordan that's pretty cool hilarious this is a different jordan no relation i'm sure no but uh he and his wife bought um this game called masterpiece i think it's from like the 70s and it was in really really good condition and um so it's like a super simple game. So there's just these cards in there and each of them has a painting, like professional painting of you know, the Mona Lisa and all those. And there's another set of cards and all these have prices on them. Hmm. And the object objective of the game is to get through the game of having the most paintings uh, that are worth the most amount, but everything's randomly generated. And so... Um, I can't remember the the mechanic exactly, but anyway, the price that the painting has and the price that you can bid for it are different, and it has like the the bank, and so you have the monopoly style money where you you know can spend this much to to bid on it. Oh, the auctions—that's what it is. So you're auctioning against everybody else that's playing, but you don't know the actual value, and so it's kind of like uh, if either of you guys have played. Oh. Um. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank on this game. Uh. Animal Crossing, wow. Red comes and he brings um, fake paintings, right? And you can buy them. It's kind of like that, right? but so you can buy it thinking that it's real. But then when you actually purchase it, the value it had on it is like five bucks. And oh, then no. the number goes from like really small up to like a million, I think is the highest. And so, oh, like, so there's, there's a lot of fake, the there's fake. There's like fake paintings or there's they have low like a uh, Mona Lisa could have a low value. That's yeah. What you're saying. Oh. Yeah, but you don't know all this even after like you purchase the painting and you're the only one who knows the value after the auction. Mm. Mm. And then at the end of the game everybody puts down what their masterpieces are to see who has the highest value, I assume. Yeah, but in in between all that you can actually put up yours for auction like you can sell them and then there's also other cards where somebody can buy one of your paintings. For a set amount, and so if it's mm-hmm. if they want to buy if if the car says they can buy it for two fifty, but then its value is six hundred, then you know you lost a really high value painting, and they paid a little bit for it, type of thing. And mm-hmm. so the combination of your money and the paintings you have left are what determines who wins. Ah, so just total value. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So let me ask you this: Could you, for example, have like a painting? Let's say it was worth a million dollars. But you only had five hundred dollars. You bid five hundred. Nobody else bid higher than you. 
So you could buy that painting for five hundred, even though it's worth a million. Exactly. Like, yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, because nobody knows the value of it during the auction. Wow. So you said this was from the seventies? I've never heard of this game ever. I think at least yeah, at least the seventies. They said it was a super old game, and you can tell when you're looking at it that it's old, but it's it still it holds up really well. It was a whole lot of fun. Stressful too. Because the further you get on, the less money you have. And so, like, the more money that's kind of out there in the wild. You don't know. Like, other people have four, five, six paintings. You don't have any. It's, it's, it, can get, it can get pretty crazy. Yeah, that's wild. You know, you know, that game, like, makes me think about how, like, in some game. Well, so, I feel like, you know, we play video games a lot, right? Like, all three of us. But I think the thing about a traditional game, a board game, card game, is that... It, especially when you play with other people, there's turns, right? Like your turn, then your turn, then your turn. How can a game keep your attention when it's not your turn? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're asking us or you're just thinking out loud? I'm just saying that that's like, to me, I mean, y'all can disagree with me. That to me is the mo- the marker or a moniker or whatever the phrase I'm trying to use of a good game board game or traditional game a game that can keep you engaged even when it's not your turn or you're not currently playing like you know some games you you know like egyptian war or rat screw whatever it's called like that's always happening you know so like okay cool but like a game like chess or masterpiece or you know whatever it is like it has to find a way for moment to moment to keep you engaged and, you know, I, I don't know if that have you if y'all felt that feeling, too, because that's like, yeah, the thing I think about a lot when it comes to board so, games and stuff like that. So there's two things that come to mind. Right. One is that, you know, games, a game could probably have like a specific mechanic where even if it's not your turn, you're still participating. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, in Catan, you can trade or people can you can accept trades with whoever's turn it is. Um and you're collecting resources when they roll their dice. Uh, and so you can, you still feel somewhat involved. Um, so that's, that's one way. But I think what a lot of games rely on is not that you're involved when it's not your turn, mm-hmm. but that you have to follow the action when it's not your turn. Because then when it's your turn, you'll be able to act. Whereas if you're not paying attention... When it is your turn, you won't be able to act. You'll have to catch uh, up on what on what you missed. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that relying on on that on people being engaged because they have to to follow the action uh, is fair, but probably naive. Because how many people do you guys know? You're playing a game with, and they're just on their phones, or they're just yeah, checked out, yeah. or they're talking to somebody, and then it gets their turn. And they're like, wait, what do I do? Like, what's going on? Oh, what happened? Or, Who did? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> I can't deal with that. Um, that but I don't think that's a bad game. I think that's just bad game players, right? People who can't focus or who are distracted yeah. or are bored or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know if that makes I, the game bad, though. I blame the players in that scenario. Like, I think because I've been in, I guess, uh, different scenarios where people have uh i guess been not fully engaged for different reasons you know either somebody asked them to play there was an open slot they didn't want to play 
or they didn't mm-hmm. want to play, but then they're like, oh, I didn't think this game would take this long, and so then they check out. Um, but either way, in, in both of those, I still blame the players. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, I, there's, there, yeah. there's probably some some games that really are so boring where like there's no point in paying attention because even if you pay attention, you're not going to be better, much better prepared for your turn, or it's not that exciting, or there's not much like drama or tension. And yeah, I think I think Brad's right there. Like that's a hair, that's a marker of a bad game. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm on the fence because, like, I, I get that. There's definitely people who just, like, uh, I don't want to be here. You know what I'm saying? Um, and those are normally people you have to force to play a game with you. Like, hey, come on, let's all play. Like, all right, whatever. You know, they're already, you know, but I, I guess that would just, it's the same thing if you're, you know, we were talking about that guy who plays Smash Brothers and it's trash, and he's going to complain about the game because he has the wrong heart going into it from the beginning. But I also think, like, there's games that do a good job of, you know, even though, like, for example, if, if you play, say, chess the right way, right, like, you know the rules, and you know what's going on, and, and there's a timer associated to it, like, chess can keep you engaged because you have to kind of pay attention, and in between your moves, you're thinking about your next move, right? Yeah. And, and not that everybody's gonna enjoy chess, because chess is not for everybody, just like not everybody, every video game, but I've also played games like, uh, this, you know, I buy new card games every once in a while. And every once in a while, like, they're interesting when it's your turn. But there's literally nothing for you to do when it's not your turn. You know, it's like you just sit there and you have to wait for the results. Because it doesn't matter if you plan ahead. All your actions are dependent on the person's actions right before you. And there's no, like, nuance. So, yeah. Uh, that, that's a good example of what I meant where that's just a, I think that's just a bad game. Or at I least think- a bad game to play in a big group. I think another thing that kind of contributes to the engagement is when it when it's somebody else's turn, you kind of touched on this, really how much it impacts you. Like uh, on one side of it, if you're just spectating to see what you can do whenever it is your turn. But I think if their turn directly impacts you while they're taking it, then that can also be you know another way to, to maintain that engagement. You know, like uh, I guess. Like Uno, I guess, <laughs> you know, is it's it's more of a fast paced game. But what people are doing is actively impacting how you can play the game. And so there's not really a time you can check out. And then I mean, I guess you could like look could. at the last card that was put down. Yeah, well, then, I think that's what Brad is saying is that Uno, that's a good example. Nothing matters in Uno except the card that goes before your turn. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, you could vaguely say, oh, well, if somebody if you're playing the rules where like if you put a times to draw two and then another draw two and another draw two that like okay but honestly like you said it doesn't really matter you're just trying to like do the best thing for you in the moment to get your cards at your hand you know that's so, true but, but but i think that uno the reason uno gets away with it is because of what you described kyle like it's a fast-paced game yeah. and you don't have to have like a lot of deliberation like yes every turn matters but they're not like a chess move where, you know, one mistake could literally ruin your whole game, you mm-hmm. know, or at least turn the tides. You know, there's so. not a lot of flexibility in how you play Uno. Like there's generally only like two or three good moves you have to pick from. Mm-hmm. And then right. it's luck, what cards you happen to have in your hand. So it's like sure. I'm the conditions are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I have a question. Um, 
And we talked about masterpiece, right? And I, and I was thinking when you, when you mentioned that, I'm like, man, it's crazy how they managed to gamify auctions in art, the art world. Um, but of course, that's one of the things that we always talk about with, not us, but people talk about with video games is that the vast number of ways that people have found to gamify random stuff, like things you would never <laughs> yeah. think. Like Papers, Please is a game. More, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a teaching tool too, but it's a game mm-hmm. about managing you know, expectations versus your conscience uh, in, a, in a bureaucratic scenario. Like, who would have thought that'd be fun? Yeah. I'll tell you who. Nobody. <laughs> um, just any, any situation where, like, there's an optimal solution or what you think is optimal, people have learned to gamify. So my question is, do you think, like, traditional games are better or worse, or in what ways are better or worse, at video, than video games at gamifying things? Ooh. Hmm. Like, a maybe question. a better better way to ask it would be, like, what's the most creative gamification example in a video game versus the most creative in a traditional game that you can think of like how do you think they stack up huh yeah tough one (laughs) yeah go ahead kyle no i was i was gonna i guess continue to talk about i guess i think paper papers please is a, a great example of how you were saying you know because on on the inside of it it's a like border control and all these really like heavy topics are in there too. And then biases. And then you're dealing with things like uh, fraud. Like it, it encompasses so many different things, you know. And so, yeah, for, so for a traditional game to, to do auctioning, for Monopoly to do, you know, like housing and uh, well, capitalism, as we said, you know, all those different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I, I know that. I guess digital games kind of have a, in theory, more resources at their disposal. Mm-hmm. Like they can put more, they can give you more. I guess because one of the biggest hangups, at least for me, when it comes to traditional games, is setup. And as I kind of mentioned this earlier with solitaire, it's putting things out there. And so, like I think, digital games are stronger in the way of like presenting something that's really you know heavy like this, putting you in a scenario is that they do all the, the setup beforehand and then you just have to go in and experience it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, like, I don't know if I can even compare them because I, I just think that, like, fundamentally, like, games are, like, games are not, like, at the end of the day, games are, like, rules that, it's kind of like a joke, right? Like, you make a joke and a joke is funny because... It's kind of not like like you don't make a joke about like, oh, somebody sure did a good job at work today. And people laugh like you make a joke about like a crackhead trying to run for mayor or something like because it's kind of like, oh, that Mm -hmm. shouldn't really happen. So it's kind of weird that the scenario and I feel like games are kind of are like the how how the rules are set and how what makes the competition or what makes the goal of the game can be for anything. So I, I feel like a lot of times, like it, think about like chess or something or, or uh, no, no, no. Um, checkers, like checkers is the most low, like what? Like it's just red, black and a square thing, you know, like some squares, like it doesn't have any context that makes any sense. 
right? Mm-hmm. But it's but it's fun because the rules it like cause like competition and challenge. And I think like board games and video games just have different ways of engendering that. And like you said, Kyle, I think a video game has more tools because just like in a movie, a movie can like a, like a live action movie versus an animated movie. An animated movie can take a lot more liberties what people can do, right? Mm-hmm. Like how they bend, how they move, how they, you know, in, interact with the environment. But you're limited in a, a real movie with real people what you can do if you don't use CG or something. And mm-hmm. I feel it's the same with board games. I don't think that either one of them does better at making like the mundane interesting. I just think they have different limitations. So you couldn't do paper please as well in in a board game because a board game you can't mimic the feeling of having people and their emotions and their situations and the environment and the context and the weightiness of your decision. You know what I'm saying? Like Okay. That's kind of how I feel about it, at least. So you're saying that you guys are saying that video games have a leg up on traditional games because they have more ways and resources to essentially tell a story or like do something other than pure game mechanics. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Is that fair? I think, yeah. High, highest level. I mean, okay. it, on the I guess on the side of board games... In my opinion, I think the closest contender would have to be like, you know, Call of Cthulhu and Dungeons and Dragons tabletop games that, you know, use boards and cards and physical currency, but aren't, (laughs) yeah, advanced tabletop games. Because the distinction is, you know, these other games, you put them in a, you box them up at the end where games like D&D, they're continuous, they're nonlinear in a lot of ways. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I think like a, a a good way to think about it is that a board game could never mimic or evoke the emotions that Mario Kart does, you know, because there's just no way to have people play r- race each other in a safe environment in their living rooms. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> like in, in with multiple people at the same time with varying conditions. And I think like something like D and D or what have you is it's kind of like how I feel about like artists. Like an artist can look at a blank canvas and see things that I can't see. Like I only see a blank canvas and <laughs> and the mistakes that I'm about to make. <laughs> you know? But like an artist can see like, ooh, I could put this, and I could do that, and I could do this, and I could do that. I think like video games just like make make it an even playing field like you don't necessarily have to have an imagination or a vision to understand a game but like a board game you kind of have to fill in the gaps it's more a suspense of disbelief exactly exactly like yeah Hmm. so i think those are good points i uh i think one aspect that tabletop games have over video games at least over most video games is the ability to draw in a larger crowd, right? Like most games, they're single player. Maybe you can have two or four people playing together. Um, but those tend to be, you know, few and far between. Um, but with, I mean, a lot of table games, they're like, yeah, two to six players, easy. 
Some of them go up to like eight or ten players. Um, and those games usually take advantage of the high player count. So I was playing a game recently, and I think it's called The Great Dal Moody okay. or something, something similar. And this is a game about classism. So everyone who's playing, based on where you sit around the table, is in their own class. So you have someone at the head who's basically like royalty, and then you have someone at the bottom who's basically a peasant, um, a, a serf, yeah, a peasant. And the game mechanics revolve around this relationship. So like the top, the top two people, uh, every the beginning of every round, the t- whoever's the top two takes cards from whoever's in the bottom two. Oh wow! And the whole game, the point of the game is to move up in the in the ranks by getting ahead of other people and we had a lot of fun it was a great time and so the people at the top their goal is to maintain the top i guess yeah your goal it's yeah you have to maintain being at the top um and the people at the bottom have certain you know if everyone agrees you can have like a revolution to overthrow people we played like five or six rounds there was never a revolution but there was tons uh it (laughs) was actually really funny the guy who owned the game we were in his house of course, he becomes the great Don Moody very early, and he kept he stayed in that seat most of the night. And people would always become the 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 minor Don Moody. They'd be right next to him, and then they would last for one round, and they would get shuffled back into the crowd. Mm. Eventually, I became the minor Don Moody, and I was the first one that I guess pleased him. He was really playing into the role. He was like, yes, the great Del Moody bequeaths upon you this gem. You know, he was really just playing it up. Yeah. He loves his game. <laughs> but um, I was the first minor Del Moody, second in command, that he felt didn't try to betray him. But I was also the first to dethrone him. Oh. <laughs> yes. So at the end, at the end, he lost his crown. And uh, I didn't become the great Del Moody. Someone else did, but. Everybody was cheering. Let you get too yeah, close. But that, that's an experience that you, I mean, I don't think, I, I don't know of a video game that really, you know, defines that that player versus player, cast-based, uh, you know, uh, gameplay mechanic. You know, I think like video games, you know, how, like we've talked about uh, smurfing and online multiplayer video games and like all of that, like that culture. I think in in something you always share, Steve, which I I, I, I highly agree with, is that like um, multiplayer games can be difficult because the meta is always changing, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, like uh, a developer can change how many bullets shoot out of a gun or how fast the character can move. And so all of a sudden you have to rethink how you're going to play or approach something. Right. Mm-hmm. I think board games have the advantage in that is in that they're pretty static. Mm. right like when you play monopoly if you play it today or 10 years from now the rules are the same yeah the pieces Monopoly's are the same. not getting patched yeah like it's well it, you know it house might, rules aside yeah excluding true. house rules like the rules of any game are 99 percent of the time stay the same right and that means that meta is like the it that's the only thing the game really survives on is a high level meta so like your friend who is a great damn moody they know the the meta, or he knew the meta, so mm-hmm. he he knew like, oh, I know how to get to the Great Dead Moody and stay there. So like, he's using the meta. But as people learn the meta, the game becomes more interesting, 
and the people who gain the meta, they don't necessarily lose that ability, you know? They might forget how the game rules work or anything like that, but the meta is kind of a, a constant that they can always tap into when it's time to play. So I think games, uh, board games have kind of this like timeless nature to them mm-hmm. because they allow you to always tap into that meta. They allow you to always be like to, it's In like a bike. Moment. Yeah. You know, like you can just get right back into it just like it was yesterday. And I think video games will always suffer compared to, to uh, like the board games or traditional games because always forever changing rules and then also just a side note i think video games are just less accessible because like the interface right and board games just any person can sit there and move a piece so yeah yeah it uses things you're already familiar with like immediately if you have any figures and they're pretty much toys cards or just sheets of paper you know if you can read you can play a bar you can play a board game well i mean Technically, you're right. Actually, yeah. Okay, I'll give you that because I was an analogy. I guess an analogy here would be the controller, and yeah, some people aren't familiar with controllers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess where I differ is that, or I guess I should point out, maybe not a difference, that one way that video games and traditional games are the same, uh, opposite of what you just said, is that they both require they're accessible. To some extent, they both require people to learn the mechanics. So mm-hmm. even if you know the controller, a new game will require, even if it's a shooter and you've played a dozen shooters, it might be totally different from how you expect. Um, True. And there's always like a transitory period for a new game too. How many times have you sat down with a really complex game and like had to read the instructions like three times because yeah. it just didn't make sense? And, mm-hmm. then, and then you have to have a practice round. And that's just like video games. People are like, what do I do? How do I do this? What what does this button do? It's the same thing. Well, I, I would only disagree that there's the... I think that's the meta, right? Like the rules and everything and how you deal, like to learn stuff. Like not, not that that's the meta, but that's the rules. Like games and board games and video games have the similarity in that they all have rules. But how you interface yeah. with that game, there's a higher barrier when you have to understand the rules... And then you have to understand how to interact with the game. Like, think about playing God of War versus Spider-Man versus Mario Kart. They all have rules. And Well, let's not use Mario Kart because that's a different system. But, like, uh, you know, Overcooked. Like, they're all in the same system. They all have different rules. And they all have different controller layouts. So you have to, like learn how to change your mind to understand how to interface with the game and also understand the rules and that so there's a lot of steps for a person to step into monopoly versus scrabble versus chess it's just the rules but at the end of the day you just move the piece with your hand or you say something with your mouth which you already know how to do so like the skills you already have you know Mm -hmm. like right that's what i I think that's what i was saying all right that's what that's that's how i took kyle what he was saying too yeah I think, I think we're pretty like, much all aligned. Yeah, the, the, the barrier of entry is... Yeah, so the interface is different, but the... Well, for a video game, it, would, it wouldn't be rules. It'd be mechanics, right? That's the same. The Learning the mechanics of a video game and learning the rules of a traditional game both take time, but the interface, one takes time, one doesn't. We Are we in agreement there? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Well, you know, I and, make- then, and then and then there's the meta, which 
also takes time for both. Yeah, and, and I would say this about video games. I think meta is really only an issue now that we have online games. I think in the past, like, you can still play Smash Brothers Melee like it was yesterday. I mean, yes, the dexterity and the interface, right? But the rules are the rules, right? Like, there's no updates coming for Smash Brothers Melee. But, like, every game that exists nowadays can get updates. And then when you go to the next version of the game, who knows if the thing that you... Like, for example, I used... I love... um the uh gosh I, i'm blanking on it mass effect games one two and three but if you try to like play them back to back you have to like relearn all of everything and things change right mm-hmm. but if you play monopoly falcons monopoly versus simpsons monopoly versus you know like they're just skins but the game is the same you know like it's yeah i mean i will say I guess... fortnite monopoly is very different <laughs> do not pass go do not build a house it has you building. To build you have to build <laughs> yeah it has building in it I, it's I don't wild. like fortnite now i don't know if i want to mess with that it's true 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 it's i, would, just I can't recommend it it's just normal monopoly now <laughs> monopoly think, with I guns mean, <laughs> 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 I, I want the shotgun piece it's just a silver shotgun on a you stand have to loot and, like, <laughs> move it around hot the board. drops in monopoly like oh my <laughs> so I, I actually would not discount the meta in single player games i think whether a game is single player or pvp it still has meta right mechanics in a video game the mechanics of the game just describe what you can do like you can move around you can do this you can push this whereas the meta is like what works well in order to accomplish get to your goal. goal yeah 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 like you can play god of war tons of ways but you should probably fight the enemies, right? Like that's at least the first part, the most obvious part of the meta. Mm-hmm. And it's it's when you get to multiplayer games, that's when people think about the meta because the meta now you're fighting people, mm-hmm. and you have to actually be smart about it. But it's still the same concept. What works well that might change over time, but you're still thinking what works well against people. And I think it's the same with traditional games. You know, when you're playing Chicka Pig, like there's lots of things you can do. But the, the there's only a few options that are actually good options, or you know chess or checkers. Like you can move around to your heart's content. The mechanics will let you do that to some extent, but the meta tells you what you should do, and that's what people have to learn over a couple rounds, mm-hmm. maybe some practice rounds. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine if board games had regular updates to their rules, bro. Their mechanics, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like a normal video game or like an online game, because because. Let's be honest. How many traditional games are like single player? You know what I'm saying? Like solitaire. Like uh <laughs> it's in the name. <laughs> there are I can't remember any names of them, but like I I've looked at the game sections at Barnes and Noble, and some of them do say one, two, you know, like six players. But yeah, I still don't understand how you could play them one player. But they'll they'll say you can. I play. I recall playing a game where like one player in the game was just essentially, like it was just modified rules. It wasn't the same game. It was just uh. a different game within the same kind of subset of rules. So, yeah, like it was a different game entirely, really. You know, because you can't really like, for example, Chicka Pig, which I okay, Chicka Pig is my favorite, one of my favorite games. Like 
mm-hmm. of board games. Me and Shailene played Chicka. So, a really quick story. Me and Shailene played Chicka Pig on Wednesday. Like Shailene was like, "Hey, you want to play a board?" Oh, game? that is a quick story. It, it is. We want to play a board <laughs> game, and I was like, "Ah, you know, we were playing Rumi Cube, uh, uh, a few weeks ago." Hold on, y'all still there? Okay, cool. Okay. My computer just decided to go. Let's go, boop boop. Turn off. I was like, "What's going on?" <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we were playing Rumi Cube, and then I was like, "Oh, let's play something else." So we played Chicken Pig, and then because we were playing Chicken Pig, I was like, "Hey, we should play chess. I think we'd like to play chess." So anyway, Chicken Pig is basically this game where the whole goal is like you have these little pigs, and your goal is to move across the board to go through the goals on the other side of the board. But the chicken pigs can only move like in one direction, like forward and they or slide. Yeah, they can only slide left or right, you know, f- forward or backwards. Huh. And if they run into some type of object, they can't progress. And you can do different things. It's strategy. It's kind of like planning ahead and defense and offense. It's a super simple game, super simple like idea, but it's very, very fun, especially when you have more than like f- two people. Like, me and Shailene play against each other. But when you have, like, four people, it's very dynamic. But um, I feel like Chicka Pig is, like, the type of game where I don't... Like, you can play it by yourself. I think there's a one-player mode, but it just doesn't... Like, some game, Like, I feel like traditional games are fundamentally, like, multiplayer. You know what I'm saying? Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they because they don't come with ways to play against the game most of the time. Like an AI, I guess. Right. Yeah, there is one game. Uh, it's not really. It's it's a pretty simple game, um, but the way it, it's it's hard to describe. It's a series of like levers and stuff. Basically, it's a bunch of clockwork that reacts to the choice you make, whether you put the coin in slot one, two, or three. Basically, mm. and the idea is to like have all your coins. I don't know. Basically, you're solving a logic problem and the game uses clockwork to react to you. So you based on what decisions you make, you might win or lose. Um, and there's like a specific strategy that you kind of have to luck into. Hmm. Um, most people it's, but that game isn't, isn't built to compete. Like, Oh, let me have fun. That game really was just built as an oddity. Like, Oh, look, this thing can beat you. (laughs) If you make the wrong decision, Uh... it's going to win. There's no way to win after that. Is it like a puzzle? Like, would you say it's more of a puzzle than a, like a puzzle game, I guess? Um, no, no, it's, I mean, that's, like I said, it's hard to describe. Uh, you basically are dropping either a coin or a ball. And so it's one of several slots. And, oh, that's what it is. You have, there's 10 balls. Mm-hmm. And every time you, um, you, your turn for your turn you can drop one to three you choose how many balls you can drop Mm -hmm. and then the game will choose whether it drops one to three balls and i think the 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 point is to like have the last ball or not have the last ball or something like that interesting um but if you make any mistakes the game will always beat you because it's actually it's actually a pretty simple like logic problem to decide what the optimal solution is and so somebody designed that optimal solution into a series of clockwork so based on what you do the game knows what to do oh wow so you can never make a mistake wow yeah that's uh perfect run that's that's pretty hardcore 
Yeah. That's the only situation I can think of where. So you got me thinking about something. And it, you know, this is, I think it's kind of maybe it doesn't lead off of that much. But the idea of, I guess, puzzles as being the opposition, like a one player version of a traditional um, game. So on the spectrum, I guess, between traditional games and digital games, video games, where do escape rooms fall? Uh, I guess it's, it's like a series of puzzles, I guess, right? I mean, I think it's, I think it's a puzzle game. I mean, I think it's, I, yeah, it's a puzzle game. I, I, the, I feel like it's hard for me to say that it's like, for example, if you did a, if you did a, um, an escape room, did a single, a particular escape room, and then you came back like the next day. You could finish it almost like in five minutes, right? Like excluding like forgetting something because of memory, right? Mm -hmm. Well, every puzzle is like that. Not every puzzle, because if you did a puzzle, like a puzzle with jigsaw puzzle, right? It doesn't matter if you remember anything about the game. Like every experience is like starting from scratch, Right, those are mixed up. Yeah, you know, uh, you might have a strategy. You might go, oh, I'm gonna get the dark pieces, or I'm gonna get these light pieces. You might be able to optimize a little bit, but like your memory of how, what the puzzle looked like, the jigsaw. I'm talking jigsaw puzzles particularly, like doesn't affect it. So I feel like I think I disagree, but I, I feel sentence. like puzzles to me aren't like games per se. I think they're more just challenges and once you sure. once you sort figure that challenge out it's like a riddle once you know the the solve a riddle riddle it's no longer fun because you just know the solution you know what i'm saying mm. yeah so are you are you arguing that a, um, an escape room is not a game i think an escape room is a game the f <laughs> as long as you don't remember <laughs> what the solutions are it's a physical like, riddle yeah, it's just right. a long form riddle, and I don't think that riddle. Personally, this is my personal opinion. I don't think riddles are games. I think they're fun, mm -hmm. but I don't know if it's a game. I, I mean, I'm kind of on the fence about this myself, but that's my feeling in the moment. So I feel like that's again, that's the same for all puzzle game puzzles or video game or puzzle video games or any like puzzle game. If you know the solution ahead of time. Then you can just, I mean, you, you mentioned a jigsaw, like aside from the time it takes to physically find a piece and put it where it goes, if you somehow have had incredible memory and knew and recognized every piece and knew how they fit, then yeah, you would know the solution at a time. It would just be a matter of methodically putting the pieces together the second time. But, but I think that's, I mean, I, I, I would, that, I guess what you're, the only way that that would make sense is if the puzzle was already finished, right? Like, well, you finished it the first time. I'm saying you played a second time. Yeah, but, but, but I, I, you're like removing a particular part of the puzzle to like, like it's different from saying, it, it's like saying that like you do a riddle and a riddle is like missing words, so like you somehow can't solve the puzzle, the riddle unless you have those words. So you have to find the words. Like, unless you have everything, like what what I'm trying to say is like a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle in particular, 
the fundamental premise is that the puzzle pieces are randomized, you know? So even if you flip every single piece over, you still have to do logic to like, remember, okay, I got to look at this and then, okay, where does this go? Okay. This is an edge piece. Okay. Boom. You know, there's still some like game element. I don't, I don't even know if a jigsaw puzzle is a game because <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's like, that's to me where I don't know if escape rooms fall personally into a game. I would, all. I would say if we're making, you know, all right, if we're com- making this comparison, I think a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle specifically is not a game because the mechanic quote unquote of a, of a jigsaw puzzle is literally just comparing two or more pieces and saying, do these fit? Yes. Do these fit? No. And you just do that thousands of times. And that's fun. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Whereas an escape room, the puzzles are much more complex and challenging by themselves so you have like the smallest possible challenge multiplied by a thousand versus, you know, three or four meaty challenges. Is that, but is you think fair? I mean, I, I, I get that. I get I that think it's, it's, I think it is. A, I think both are technically games. I would say that a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle is maybe, maybe too simple to be considered a game. You just multiply the simplicity by a thousand. But how I mean, does they how, both have, they both have, I guess the, makeup of a game like they have rules right they have uh pieces of the game if you will like it, it it's it's contained you have to in a jigsaw puzzle example you have to use these pieces to recreate the image on the box mm-hmm. and you know so and then the solution i guess is the win condition if you reach it you win if you don't you lose so i think on the highest <laughs> level you lose <laughs> so I think on the highest, you can't really lose unless you quit. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so quitting, quitting, it, yeah, is, is a lose condition too. So I think on the, I guess the most fundamental level, a jigsaw puzzle would be considered a game. Sure. And I would also, I would still argue that, like any other puzzle, you know, if you had incredible memory, if you could recognize that two pieces immediately go together or don't go together just by looking at them because you've done it before, then I would say that you have room. I mean, I, who does a puzzle twice? I've never, I, we, I've as, done puzzles like three to four times. I, I, I can yeah. like, I've, so yes, I do. I'm that person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so, fair. All right. I did when I was young, but I don't do puzzles at all anymore. So he's grown out of it. I've grown out of puzzles. Uh, actually, that's not really fair. We've talked about doing some puzzles in my household, so that might be in the future. But yeah, I think, I mean, with a puzzle, and I, this was a big if. I said, I said, if you memorized every single piece and all their relationships, even if you randomized them and threw them around, if you just picked up two random pieces, you could immediately know. And it's just a matter of finding the pieces you need. Like, that's a big if. I'm, it's totally fine to play a puzzle again because no one's brain actually works that way. Mm-hmm. So that's great. But I think in theory, it's the same problem as as any other puzzle, which is I've already solved this. I know how it works. It's just most puzzles don't have as many disparate pieces as a jigsaw puzzle has. You know, the puzzle, the solution in a portal game only involves like three pieces maybe. And so if you've played it once, you can probably remember how that worked. So, so yeah. I, I do want to say this. I think that game, okay, a puzzle 
like in a puzzle game, I think are different because, for example, let's take Portal. Portal is about solving the pattern, right? So you can solve the puzzle element of a Portal game, but you still have the game element, which is the rules that are how you move, how you interact with the environment, how you jump, how you, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't just, just because you know how to solve the puzzle doesn't mean that you will solve the puzzle, if that makes sense. But I think rules are mechanics in video games. I said, that's what I said earlier. Like you use the mechanics to solve the puzzle. The mechanics are the puzzle but, usually. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the the puzzle in Apex Legend is solving how to shoot a person in the head in every si- si- signal si- uh, si- simple scenario, right? Like I wouldn't call Apex Legends a puzzle game. But so but that's I, I, I don't know if I can go with No, this. no, I I agree with you, but I'm saying that like fundamentally everything has a puzzle element like how do i fundamentally solve this problem in In a a repeatable sense in a repeatable manner right but i think where where a game takes in is that like you can like like you were saying about uh, an escape room an escape room has a lot of small puzzles in it that that are like encapsulated in like make different things but i think the difference between a game a video game or even a board game is that just because you can solve a particular puzzle at any moment doesn't necessarily mean that that's the solution to the win condition. You know what I'm saying? Just because I know, like when I play chess, oh, the the there's like, how do I stop this player from taking my piece? That might be the puzzle that you need to solve. But that doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to get to the win condition unless you solve like 50 of those puzzles all the way to the end, right? Mm. So, but... So, so kind of where I'm trying to land is that like in a escape room, unless they are changing how the puzzles interact with each other, I don't feel that it's a game because if I can go back, if I can, what what is, when you go to an escape room, they make you sign a waiver. Don't tell anybody how this game is done because they fundamentally know if you go and you tell somebody the solution, it's not a fun anymore because there's no variability in how you complete the tasks. It's just it's the same with Portal though. But but I think I, I see what you're saying. I, I feel like the okay, so let's say Portal to a uh escape room is the movement, how you walk through the room, right? But there's sure. but like unless uh now I think uh escape room would be more of a game is if they put physical challenges where you have to like balance or you have to figure a way how to navigate through a space with three players and depending on their body types and stuff like that there it's a game but if you could just walk well, up and solve yeah. the thing i don't think that's a game i've actually done recently done an escape room that i think so their whole gimmick if you will is that they break the traditions of escape rooms because i think that's kind of the the expectations of escape rooms is that they're low intensity uh, low, low physicality. If you can solve the puzzle in your mind, you won't have to do anything physically to like mm-hmm. bring you there. You don't. It doesn't involve any dexterity, no hand-eye coordination, no accuracy. And so, what I say, uh, what I'm, the the uh, escape room I recently did actually did involve skill challenges as solutions to puzzles. Like uh, so. Hopefully somebody's not listening. They're about to go do this escape room, but it was themed around a carnival. And so in the first section, there are three carnival games. There's skee-ball, 
there's duck fishing, and there's this section where you have to throw uh, these tennis balls at a rack and knock certain targets down. Things that if you, and it tells you the solutions. It says knock three of these down, make this amount of points in ski ball, find the duck that has the certain symbol on it. But, you know, knowing the solutions on their own, typically in the escape room, that would be enough. It's like, oh, okay, let me go yeah. find the duck, right? That's probably the, the closest one to a traditional one. But the other one, the ski ball makes 700 points, but then it was a full ski ball thing. So if, you are, if you're not accurate with your throws, you can think about 700 points all day long. You're never going to get to the next step of the escape room. Sure. I think, I think the issue, I'm glad you brought that up. That's an interesting data point, Kyle. Um, I think the issue I have with your argument, Brad, is that you're describing the difference not between a game and a non-game. In my head, you're describing the difference between a puzzle game and a platformer game, right? Because, you know, like a Mario game, like it's all about the movement and the physics and how you get from point A to B. There's not really much problem solving. Whereas Portal is very light on platforming, like, you you're you are moving around and interacting with a 3D world, but there's not a ton of like coordination skill checks. It really is like can you can you just, you know, make these things happen to make the solution happen? And I think that's how Portal specifically and other games like it are similar to an escape room, a traditional escape room. And I think that when you invent, when you add other elements, that would be what Kyle is talking about. You have an escape room with skill checks, and that's more. I would I would say that Kyle's escape room is less an escape room, first of all. But whatever, Kyle's game is less like a puzzle game and more like a platforming game. Well, I think I would. But they're both games. They're all games. I think I would disagree with you on the uh, uh, portal because I've played Portal, and I, honestly. Sometimes the most difficulty I had in the game was not solving the puzzle. Sometimes I know exactly what I needed to do, but I lacked the ability to do it. For example, I need to shoot a portal on the ceiling and I need to in mid flight shoot a portal somewhere else so that when I land on the ground, I can do something else. Like to me, that is not something you could just solve the first time because every time you do it, you have to use those skill sets of movement and timing and shooting because you know what i mean there's definitely puzzles within portal that are timing and dexterity and like yeah that kind of base. But compared to other games now, it's very light that's what so I mean. so what i what i mean is that like i think a game can have puzzles but i don't think a puzzle is a game like i think that portal mm. is a game that has a puzzle element and a platforming element, the mechanics that make the game. But I don't think that an escape room is anything other than a puzzle, excluding what Kyle just shared, which is kind of a game with a puzzle mechanic and a skill mechanic, which is a game. I think like uh, an escape room is fundamentally just a puzzle. Once you know the solutions, it's no longer a challenge. It's just a thing that you're doing now you know it's here you go point a to point b and so i i agree with you in the puzzle like a jigsaw puzzle like i don't know I, I've, I've been on the fence about it since we talked about it. like uh it's a it's a it's just a puzzle really even a game i don't even know like it's kind of a weird 
thing. But I think you're right. If you knew every piece and how every piece connected, then you could finish. Like if you gave a robot a puzzle, it could probably finish it in five seconds. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. But if you gave a, a robot um, and, and Portal puzzle, Portal is a little bit <laughs> <laughs> Portal is a little bit different because it's a, a digital interface. So it, in its code, so it's like different. But if you if you sent a, a, a robot to go play a traditional um, uh, escape room, it could probably solve it in the time that it could move from point A to point B. But if you sent it to the escape room game that Kai was mentioning, it would have to have like a whole bunch of a whole nother set of abilities to be able to do ski ball and do throw the dart. And you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah, it's just different. I, so my, my whole argument is that I think a puzzle is not a game, but I think a game can have puzzles in it. You know, if that makes sense. So what about the really simple puzzle games that are like, you know, you're just connecting dots in a certain way or, you know, you have to like the mobile games, right? Are those not games? Are they just puzzles? I think some of those, I think they, I think they would be more along the line of puzzles, but I think a lot of them introduce this idea of multiple solutions or like, well, it's, it's still, it's still, yeah, yeah, I think fundamentally, yeah. Like that flow, remember, it used to be huge. It was a game where you had colored dots on a grid mm-hmm. and you had to draw lines between the two matching color dots and none of the lines could cross and you had to connect every pair of dots. Mm-hmm. So um, my, my only trivial, yeah. trivial mechanics, but, you know, puzzle. My, my only thought about that is that I think it's a puzzle game because the puzzle is how you enter. Like, like I think most... It's hard to say because I can't speak for every game, but like, for example, um, I made a game that was like a puzzle game, but really once you knew the solution to a puzzle, it would be easy, right? If you knew everything, but the game element to me was that you had to do it in a certain speed or you had to do it at a certain accuracy and then you can unlock other levels and get coins to get this, to do that. And, and and I think fundamentally the gameplay was just puzzles. If you knew the solution, you got it. But the game itself was everything that the puzzles created after that. You know, like, Wait. if that makes sense. So, so after you beat the puzzles, you could go back and do it again faster for points? You could do it again without, like, making mistakes, right? So oh, you could make mistakes. Yeah, you can make mistakes, but but the, isn't it trivial the second time? Yeah, it's trivial, but the but the game. But once you do that, you get stars that allow you to unlock other things that you can do. Other, th- you know what I'm saying? Like it's like the compounding rules and the things that you can do within it, right? Like once it met, my game wasn't like complex. I would say fundamentally it was just a puzzle, you know. But I think like games that are actually complex, that like that flow game, I think have some game elements in it that are not necessarily the main mechanic which is the puzzle if that makes sense like the puzzle itself to me is just a a thing you do until you find a solution but i think it's still okay. fun but i don't know you know so i don't sure know if this would count as like a board game or a tabletop game but i think it kind of fits in there where you know you start off with a puzzle everybody knows the puzzle the puzzle has one solution but then, yeah, the I guess what makes it a, a game or even a, a competition is how fast you can solve it. And that's with Rubik's Cubes. 
Mm. And so would Rubik's cubes are are they considered puzzles or like what would, what yeah, would you I would say Rubik's puzzles. cube to be? I think they're puzzles until you learn the algorithms for them. Yeah. <laughs> Which because yeah, it yeah, seems so like everybody knows how to get to the solution, but then it becomes about getting there first. Yeah. You're right. So that's that's really interesting. I think the if you're if you're ignorant of a Rubik's cube, it feels like a puzzle because you're like trying for different solutions and stuff. Yeah. I think the Rubik's cubes are interesting because they don't have there's not like a mechanic that you're exploiting necessarily or a pattern to exploit. It's just an algorithm that you just don't know. And maybe eventually you work your way towards some sort of intuition about it, but you can literally just memorize a set of moves and, you know, memorize a set of patterns that should trigger those sets of moves. Interesting. Um, and, then I, and then it's definite. And then it definitely moves away from Brad's, I guess, description of a puzzle game because the high the high speed players you know they get a randomized rubik's cube and it isn't about like oh i don't know what to do or like it's literally a skill check like how could i move my hands fast enough and think quick enough to like move through all the algorithms and react quickly enough it really becomes like a video game <laughs> more like a video game yeah. like as brad was describing it yeah it's like the the added mechanics make it a game but fundamentally everybody could solve it right like every person in that competition yeah could yeah. solve a rubik's cube so like if they're like whoever solves the rubik's cube is the best rubik's cube champion then you'd have a million champions <laughs> so they had to That's add what... an extra uh, rule or condition to like you know mm-hmm. to make it a That's game. why they don't give every every competitor like the same shuffle of a cube right like they just shuffle it and it's random and the point is to to you know parse it out quickly and go through it, not to necessarily find the same solution as everyone else faster. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, we're getting to the definition of the game, but I think that's where like traditional games are different because, like, I yeah, I've always thought as a puzzle, like a puzzle as a game, but. It's really just enjoyment at the end of the day, right? Challenge, you know, mm-hmm. because I don't have a super memory. <laughs> like a, it's a more of a brain activity, I guess. I guess just activity versus a game. I guess you're you're doing something, but are you? I mean, maybe you're at play, arguably. But yeah, those things that kind of cross it over into game territory like you can play without be playing a game right so those make I, I, you're losing me man. yeah i lost you you said you're playing a <laughs> game like, <"What?"> right <laughs> yeah i'm kind of losing myself i'm trying to think it through i guess i was like lost in the sauce yeah uh, so speaking of puzzle games and you know quick little things uh speaking of solitaire one inch one cool thing about solitaire and some, I guess, somewhat frustrating. So I've been playing during meetings, right? And my my goal overall has been I want to get to the point where I'm consistently beating a game in five minutes. Obviously, if I have to like stop and like talk about something with with a coworker, then I I don't care. Like I don't you can't pause the game. I'm not that heated about it. But yeah, that's that's just my overall goal. But what's annoying about solitaire is that because the deck is random, randomized. 
and because not every con- configuration is solvable, exactly. sometimes you just get stuck. And even if it was, even if it started solvable, sometimes you make a move that's just bad, and then you've completely destroyed your game, and you might not even know it till later. Yeah. Uh, and there's no way to know because it's ran- I mean, there's it's a lot of luck based, and so there's a puzzle solving aspect there where you're trying to like intuit your way through the best set of moves. But there's also a gambling aspect where it's like, you know, maybe I can't even beat this. I might just have to re-roll, you know. And I think that's part of the fun of some games where there isn't a solution or there there may not be a solution based on how bad your luck is. You know, that, that actually is so interesting that you're talking about that because I was recently thinking about this because I'm a, a nerd, a loser, and a game developer. <laughs> nerd. I was thinking about what if you removed, like for most games, the die element, right? So most games have a luck element. So a lot of times why you win or you lose is because of just physics. <laughs> you know, like if you could perfectly master physics, if you, you, if so you looked at... a die perfectly? Yeah. If you, I mean, there's people who can roll a die like almost perfectly, but a lot of times it's like weighted dies. But... They like cheating. they're cheating but there are people who are like good at rolling something regularly but anyway my point is bowling. if you rem- huh <laughs> sorry, i said bowling no no rolling um if you remove the die right and at the beginning of each game you just showed people the rolls that they would get like and everybody got the same roll how would it impact most games you know, so in Monopoly, everybody gets the same role. The game would. So you have seeds. Huh? You have seeds. I don't. What do, what do you mean by that? Sorry. Like, uh, you show people a pre configured set of roles. I assume that the roles are random, but they're not randomly generated each time. It's a pre-configured seed. It's like oh, a, oh like a uh, like a procedural generated seed for like a, a map or something in Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you can you can using the same seed, you can roll the dice and get the same the same pattern the same pattern every time. That's based off of the algorithm that is doing the the rolling behind the scenes. I guess you could say. Well, every yeah, I mean, in a computer, it's always an algorithm. So yeah, so yeah, so like think about okay, think about Monopoly if. The seed was set. And mm-hmm. and if everybody had the same seed, Monopoly would fall apart. Right? Like every player yeah, or every, every game? Every player had the same oh, God. seed. Yeah. They'd land on the same spaces. They would land on the same spaces. And fundamentally, Monopoly has to have that randomization per player. Right? So every player would have yeah. to, at a minimum, have different seeds. Now, mm-hmm. if every player had a different seed... I wonder how games would play out because if you knew that your next roll was going to be a six, right? And you were like, huh, I'm going to roll a six. So I'm going to land here. This player is going to roll a four and they're going to land here. That, you know, like, how would that change the dynamics of the game? And then I know, Kyle, I don't know if you've ever played Chicka Pig, but imagine Chicka Pig, everybody had the same seed. Four two six three four two two whatever. That you game. You don't roll the dice in Chicka Pig, do you? Hmm. 
You do. You th- are there are there dice rolls in Chicken? Yeah, there's there's dice rolls for how many moves you can do, or if oh yeah, right. Like if you roll Sorry. a one, you can move a cow. If you roll a two, you can get a daisy card or move your character. So even though everybody <laughs> has this game, it's it's great. It's great. If yeah, it's pretty. Fun. I actually made a digital version of it. I I just no lie. Yeah, like I made the whole game. Oh, I guess I should make it multiplayer. Yeah, release that junk, man. Yeah, I forgot that I did this. I just. I did it when we were living together, Steve, actually. I just was randomly... Oh, you know what it was? You never let me play. I wanted to make a digital version so me and Shailene could play together at all times. I remember that. (laughs) At all times. And and you know why I stopped? Because when I got to the card conditions, like when you draw a card and it does something, I just was like, I don't feel like programming this into the game. (laughs) Yeah. But but, I remember you were showing me... We talked about this mm -hmm. because you were going to put the moves in like a google sheet or something which at the time i remember i thought was really awful but whatever um <laughs> and you wanted to be able to keep them for later for i think it was for rereading but also for replaying scenarios mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so that's that's your seed that are not seed but you know that's your uh the scenario we're discussing i guess yeah it's like a, a chess game when you can see all the moves that were made i mean since i ended up programming i could just save it in some type of file format like a json or something sorry we're getting nerd dev time but um really i was just thinking about how having removing randomness like from play to play how it would change how people interact with the game you know what i'm saying like how would like in monopoly the game would probably fall apart if everybody had the same seed but in chickapig you could still have a dynamic game because even if you all roll a two on the same turn, you can do things differently. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, how you move your chicken pigs, if you get a card or not. So I was just thinking about how much randomness affects so, games. I, th- I think then that comes down to, I guess it's not quite randomness, but you rather than have the randomness start on the game mechanic level, it's in the player choice level. Like yes. people can choose the different things. So you, well, I think if you're talking about choice, you can't call it randomness. That's what I said. It doesn't count as random because it's okay, I mean, it's gotcha. it's in a set con, you know realm of conditions, but you don't know which one they're going to choose from your perspective. So yeah, it's not true randomness, but it is. <laughs> you can't really determine always. That's interesting too because uh, that well, this is an it's a tangent, I guess. The difference between randomness and uncertainty, mm-hmm. like it's not you know most. Most randomness in our world isn't actually random. It's just uncertain, um, especially in the world of computers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because... And that's usually good enough. For games, that's good enough. Um, yeah, like random... There's no such thing as like an actual random number generator. It's already... Like, well, the, you know. well, there is. The Cloudflare uses their wall of lava lamps as a random number generator. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I said in a game sense. Like... <laughs> like like inside of a game there's like truly no true randomness like that that kind of exists can't be because i think in in a lot of ways you need to be able to anticipate at least the highest and lowest value i mean you can do that with randomness you know random doesn't mean it can be infinity sometimes it just means you don't know what the you know, next option. one to a hundred like yeah it could be anything. well yeah but, and i'm saying that's i think that's still right yeah but it's it's within I guess saying the same thing again within a set amount of conditions. 
Yeah, random doesn't also does not mean unbounded. It just means right unknowable. Unknowable. I guess. Yeah. In 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 a lot of games without. For example, have you ever seen? There's a speed run for this old. Uh, it might have been um, not uh Final Fantasy, but um, the game where the characters look like Dragon Ball Z characters, but it's an art Dragon, Dragon Quest. Ball Z? Dragon Quest. <laughs> How did I say Dragon Ball but not get Dragon Quest? Anyway, uh, in I think it was an old Dragon Quest. There's a guy who Toriyama some respect. Give give me respect on my name. He this guy did a speed run of a game that technically has random battles, but they're not random because he knows that if you move in certain ways, that like how it affects the the bits. Oh and the, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So he oh, wow. he literally memorized every movement that you need to do and. And and it can be somewhat RNG in the sense that like even though he knows if I move this way, move this way, this way, the probability of something happening every once in a while, the worst po- possible condition will happen, mm-hmm. and he can then recalculate in his brain what the next set of moves needs to be to reset the random number generator to be favorable to him from a percentage standpoint. It is one of the craziest speed runs I've ever seen in my life and at the end that sounds awesome dude i gotta share it with you at the end when he does the last uh, the last dungeon you need to have a certain ability to technically get through it and all the enemies are super high level and he did it without the the ability which was like a lamp and he knew exactly how to beat every enemy or avoid every single enemy and it's literally just a black screen and this man just moving like in a pattern because it's also time-based right because there's uh-huh. you know like the the uh, the the way the loops work within the game and all that stuff it yeah. is one of the most incredible when he fin, it's just pure silence for like five minutes of him doing it and he finishes and everybody's like oh my goodness i just witnessed <laughs> it. It, it is literally one of the craziest moments in i think speedrun. I, i'll share it with you guys in the discord uh it is so it is did wild. he did he do that gdq he did it live at GD2. It was so crazy. It was so Man. crazy. So not to brag. Uh-oh. But when <laughs> I was in elementary <laughs> school. Not, I'm, this, I'm not racist. But <laughs> Wow. Why is that the comparison? I'm not racist? Are you kidding? Jeez. <laughs> Because, like, the next thing. I'm not racist, like, but I see that I'm the only white guy on this No, planet. no, no. I, I How mean, can you see I, that? This is only voices. <laughs> You're also. How can you tell? Hispanic. You can be racist in multiple ways. You have multiple dimensions of racism. You can, That's you right. Know, you can tap into I, have, I have abilities you can't <laughs> My racism is beyond your understanding. Your understanding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. What were you saying? What That's a brag. When I was in elementary school, one of the games, one of the computer games they get us had us playing included a mini game that was, I think, like essentially Connect Four, where you drop your your marker down in one of several columns. I might have mentioned this before. Um, and this is <laughs> you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, so the game logic, I guess, has some sort of pretty simple algorithm for responding to my moves. And trying to get four before I did four in a row, but whoever wrote it, I guess maybe didn't play test it that much, or it was just really simple. I found a way, a set of moves that no matter what happened, no matter, yeah, every time, no matter how many times I did this set of moves, the computer would always react exactly mm-hmm. the same way, 
and it was a winning set of moves. So I would just, I would win like 10 times in a row. And my, you know, classmates are like, wow, how'd you do that? You're so smart. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but secretly I was only a little bit smart. Mm, this, you just, you um, just figured out the algorithm, like, yeah. uh, like, yeah. like intrinsically you figured out, oh, if I do this and this and this, this. <laughs> yeah. Like the computer would make one of two moves to respond to my third or fourth move, but each, no matter which move it used, it was a losing move mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't matter. Um, but yeah, that's. That's kind of how what this guy did, right? Except he was fighting a random number generator yeah. and a Dragon Quest game. But I was in elementary school, so it's the same thing. I can <laughs> see young Steve now sitting at the computer, adjusting his glasses and saying predictable to the computer. <laughs> predictable. <laughs> predictable. You're already dead. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I actually know what you mean. I had this Connect 4 game. Uh, like to keep me and my siblings uh, distracted on long road trips, my parents bought us these little cheap, like, uh, like game and watch kind of games. And one of them was Connect Four, and I would play that junk so hard. And then eventually, I realized if I went first, I could always win because yep. all I had to do was put one piece in this location, and the computer would always respond with two or three moves. And then mm. I put it in another location, two or three moves, and it didn't matter because the set was always bounded on what their reactions were going to be. They never, like, broke that script, you know? Exactly. And so I would just do that, and I would beat them every time. And I would experiment with, like, how far I could mess with it. Like, oh, if I do it here, and then here, and then this, will this change it? And I would kind of slowly figure out the algorithm. And you know what I was going to say, Steve? That's, like, the moment... Uh, I, everybody should have known that we might be programmers <laughs> or like, yeah. like that you're going to go into <laughs> physics. Like, like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. Like, yeah. Like your, your mind already is working in figuring out algorithms from like a young age. It's uh, right. super funny. <laughs> and this is the moment I knew that you were born to be my nemesis. <laughs> I was already like at the same time. Meanwhile, <laughs> the show speed. It's like it's like Mega Mind, where you know it shows the two like the living situations that one has and the other. <laughs> the parallel paths that brought them to the be, parallel paths brought yeah. them to be enemies. You know. Now you must fight. We got to play Connect Four. That's that's it. Does that does that mean that you're Nega Steve? <laughs> no. Uh, no, actually, I, I guess I guess so. What did he just call you? Yeah, say that again. Say it again. I didn't hear that. Say it again. Say it again, Steve. Uh, my mic's not. Say it a little bit, too, but so. you got to say it a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to make sure the world heard that. That's gonna be the clip for the beginning of this. <laughs> I'm gonna bleep it. As I was saying, no, no, no. You gotta, you can, you could definitely bleep uh, it so it sounds really bad. Oh no, man! Uh, I didn't even, I, you know, honestly, I didn't even catch that. Kyle was like, mm-hmm. I knew, I knew one of you. Oh, yeah. catch it. Kyle it. <laughs> well, Kyle before it. you got to saying the second half, which was just your name, I was like, what did he just <laughs> like? <laughs> Kyle is on it. Okay, I have a I have a tangent, and I'm sorry, Steve. I'm about to call you out. So, okay, here it at, comes. At work, when we all used to work together, the genesis of Super <laughs> Agile Bros. Um, oh no! There is. Um, I think I hate this. At uh, I, IBM, uh, it was called what was it called? Um, the chat thing that they sunset. Slack? Oh, not Slack. Sorry. Same time. Same time. Same time. Yeah. 
same time and people would ping each other right that's what we say oh somebody ping because i always make that annoying ping noise that you couldn't get to silent no matter what you did you couldn't disable it but anyway eventually like we were like using group chats right and we had a group chat and i think it was like me steve (laughs) maybe kyle was in there and a few other people i think like uh michael v was in there and a few other people yeah and dev and yeah, and Dev, and we were we were talking about something, and um, <laughs> I'm just okay. I'm, I'm I'm very careful about how I say this because I want to make sure it makes sense. So we were talking about something, and somebody made a joke, right? Or I made it. Who knows who made the joke? And Steve said, "Man, that joke made me snigger, right? Ooh. Like laugh." You still remember? Oh, that? I will never forget this. <laughs> Oh, I will never forget that. because I because, because at that point I was more or less quiet in the chat. Like people were kind of talking. He said, "Oh, this thing made me snigger." Da 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 da. Right? And and he said that, and then like the chat didn't like continue. And, <laughs> and I just responded like I waited and I said, eh. "I was like, Steve, you may want to remove that from that word from your vocabulary." In in your texting because one typo changes everything, (laughs) you know. So you know, and and I know Steve was literally using it in the dictionary defined word, but he was danger. The danger this man has been (laughs) towing the line from the beginning. I was like, one mistake, one mistake, one stutter. You're done. I do not remember if I said that word in good faith or not. I feel like I probably you, you did, but I part mean, of me... We were just talking. Part of me... Yeah, 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 no, but I wonder if part of me was like, I wonder if Brad's going to see this and get mad. <laughs> no, no, the thing is, like, I've heard you use that term, like, just generally, right? In person? Like, yeah, like, I've heard Steve generally use it, you know, like... Not recently. Not recently. It's a long time ago. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was a long and, time. you know, I, I sit there. I, I'd like to say that I'm Steve's, like... Like, you know how people have on their shoulders, like, the angel? You're my, you're my Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, exactly. I'm just his dark-skinned, like, Jiminy my Cricket. black Jiminy Cricket. You know, yeah. I'm his black Jiminy Cricket. And I'm like, you wish upon a star, you'll get these hands. <laughs> you see him, stars. You're going to get what you ask for. So, I feel like I've always, like, just, you know, like, I know Steve has a good heart. and But I, I'm generally that guy with a lot of people. I'm like, hey. You might want to reconsider how you say that. Not everyone knows that. Because if you come to my side of town and you said that, people would like <laughs> you might get your you might get stomped out. So just be aware. <laughs> just you might want to remove that one from your vocabulary. Or and I did, you know. So um, <laughs> like we said now before, I, now I say nega Steve instead. <laughs> G- good luck with that. I'm a, yeah. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the internet decide about oh. that one. I could see like if you wrote that in Slack, they have they show you the little uh, the previews. You can see like many people are typing right now. <laughs> Steve there, has been removed be... from the chat. Like like the, like you see typing. A Slack bot. A Slack bot responds and it's like we don't like that term around here. Try instead anti Steve. <laughs> like you see all the people typing and stopping and typing and stopping and they're just going and then yeah, Steve all of a sudden is removed from the space and you're like what. Like and then a black thumbs up emoji <laughs> oh, from somebody. Oh, you can, you're good to go. You're good to go. <laughs> well, dealt with. 
Oh, man. That was a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> what, were, what were we talking about? We were talking about luck. Yeah, you were, luck. Talking, <laughs> you were talking about the Connect Four game. and. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You, then you called me uh, Nega Steve. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Stop saying that. It's, it's nope. hurting my chest. Remember, <laughs> wish upon wish upon a star. Just remember the rest of that. With these hands. <laughs> uh, well, do you guys maybe remember of? I guess the first time I've ever had the realization of meta in my life before. I didn't know what it was called at the time, but that's kind of I guess what you guys were figuring out against the machines in a way. The meta. Is it, would, mm-hmm. and and um, <clears throat> so somebody yeah. taught me the uh, the meta for tic tac toe. Mm-hmm. Oh, word! Yeah, when I was young, you know how you you know you target if you, you go first first of all, and you win. if you do go first and you you target the the corners and you kind of box them in where when they get to a certain move you automatically win. Kyle was crushing little kids' hearts everywhere. <laughs> oh, I was yeah, insisting uh. I went first. <laughs> it's it's like that game I was telling you, the one where you're supposed to pick how many balls you want to push down the chute, and then the computer or the game picks a number of balls. Is that yeah. that's the the me, the meta is trying to figure out like what's what what number of balls should I put down to win? Is mm-hmm. that is that game called Drop Ball? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> For all Keep my fans it. of Adventure Time, Drop Ball. <laughs> uh, an exciting <laughs> what is it an exciting game <laughs> Go for <on>. people everywhere <laughs> for people everywhere anyway Good. sorry <laughs> Go back. inclusive inclusive tagline inclusive so one thing we were talking about earlier too I guess I don't know if there is a digital version of tic-tac-toe but like I guess digital versions of traditional sure. games would you say solitaire is like a good I guess representation of of the real life game, Steve, the digital solitaire yeah, I mean, that you play. Aside from the fact that you have to, um, you know, that you don't have to set it up every time, and aside from the fact that there's a hint system now. Oh really? What? <laughs> it's. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, at least the at least the the program I'm using. Yeah, there's a little hint system. It's not perfect. It's pretty vague hints. Like try getting cards down from the foundation. Uh, usually when I'm stuck, it also gets stuck. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Helpful. But yeah, I mean, the mechanics are exactly the same. You pick up cards, you move them around. The only difference is that you physically can't make an illegal move. Um, so that's that's one up over f- physical solitaire. But if you don't know the rules, you can just screw it up. Mm. Yeah. Some- that's one good thing about video games in general is that, you know, you can't break the rules because there's not a button to do it you can't cheat on accident or on purpose because it won't let you (laughs) i want to see solitaire on boundary break (laughs) just see the bottom of all the cars (laughs) (laughs) pretty much that was a that was that's actually speaking of traditional and and digital games playing something like uh, like fifa is really interesting because in fifa well actually i don't know this for sure but i assume that there's not really any like mechanic for dealing with handballs because you can't touch the ball with your hands. Mm. So there's no like a button whatever penalty kick for for handballs. Yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder. I bet you in the newer ones that um just like a lot of handballs are actually like accidental. Like somebody's uh-huh. not trying to do it, but 
it doesn't matter. Uh, I wonder because a lot of them are physics based now. If mm-hmm. handball had to become a part of it because the yeah, ball could actually contact your hand. I think you're right. In the past, you couldn't get a handball because it was just yeah, maybe in the past it was just like if somebody sent a pass, there might be physics like from moving from character to character. But once it was like a binary, yeah, but like pass. once it got within the character's like zone, it just sucked to their feet like. you know um i have seen kickball in the nba games like whenever somebody does a bounce pass and it hits someone else's foot okay interesting even then it's not intentional and it's probably pretty frustrating i don't play a lot of the 2ks but i'd imagine that that's probably a horrible thing because you probably go for the steal and then it hits your digital foot and it's over i bet you there's people with the if those mechanics exist who who have made a whole meta on forcing those mm-hmm. kind of turnovers <laughs> and penalties. So there's probably like some level of rules to to mitigate that. Or the pe- penalizing a handball is not as harsh as it would be maybe in a real game. Because, you know, like at the end of the day, not everything is fun <laughs> in like a video game form. Right. Like you kind of have to translate it over. Um and Even I think sol- solitaire is the best version of solitaire when it's digital, just because at the end of the day, it randomizes it for you. There's less effort and you don't you don't need to have anything except for a digital screen, you know, versus like you need a table or a ground or, you know, you can't play solitaire on the plane. <laughs> I mean, no. you could, I guess you could play it on your little dinner table uh, unless they're not unless they're lifting off or landing. But. Mm, good point you know so it can you need a lot of you need a, a pretty good bit of space yeah i guess you have to have and they do make tiny cards what i want is a tiny foosball table i <laughs> no i had a tiny table tennis table Ooh. like my parents so it's just tennis yeah my lap tennis my parents so, bought it for us for christmas it was so terrible like <laughs> it was so hard to play it was so hard this reminds me of like the is a taco a sandwich debate, but is a foosball table or air hockey table are those tabletop games? I mean, literally, literally, <laughs> yes. But I think you know, I think yeah, I think they're tabletop games. They're so, in the tables, I, but they're on top of. They might be recessed in the table, but they're still on the top surface of that table. Recessed table games, table recessed games. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think those are like fall within the category of like, I don't say bar games, but like games that you don't traditionally play unless you're in a particular setting. You know, like that's a fair point. Like you don't play, you don't play. What's that game you're saying? Uh, the foos, not foosball. Uh, the one where you roll it up the <laughs> thing. Uh, ski ball. Ski ball in your house, just ski balling it up. Like, nah, you got to go to like a certain place, you know, an arcade or something like that. That's true. Well, cool, man. I think we can, uh, I guess, start taking this this thing down for a landing. I have one final question for you guys uh, in the realm of traditional games, um, and I'll give I'll give you a choice. You could either pick your least favorite or your favorite traditional game. If you have one, uh, I'll open the floor up to you first, Preston. What is my least favorite and or my favorite board yeah. game? 
Mm-hmm. I guess for a suggestion for the listeners. Yeah. Uh, so, so you want you want me to give suggestions or my favorite? Ooh. Because I those oh, are different. different. They're oh. different. They're different. Because my favorite, I wouldn't necessarily suggest to everybody, but which would. Which one are you going to go with, Kyle? Fave or suggestion? Snap. So it sounds like your your favorite might be more interesting, I guess. Because your suggestion might be more user-friendly, but not as interesting? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. Why would you do this to me? Hey, I'm just... You asked the question. <laughs> I'm just asked for clarification. Don't get off me. You could have just, just answered it. I wouldn't have known the difference. You could have lied to, to me. Under, I'm just trying to understand. Um, But, uh... I'll just answer and say that my favorite game would have to be um, Scrabble. It's a game that I've played with my family for a long time. I'll crush most anybody in Scrabble if they're not like serious. Like I used to go when I first moved to Louisiana, go to the library and train with professional Scrabble people. And so I've learned a little bit, but I love Scrabble. What? I love word games. It's a whole nother story for another time. So that's, that's all I got. Yeah, let's let's make that another time. I don't want to hear that story. Yes, yes. <laughs> Were you there? No. No, I, I mean, I guess I was in Louisiana, maybe, but I don't remember anything about yeah, this. Yeah, this is before. This is before Steve. Before time, Steve. Yeah, that's another story for another day. Before I was born. Quickly, Steve, what's your favorite? If you have one. Uh, my favorite game probably would be Phase Ten. Oh, very good one. Um, I'm not particularly good at it. It's just a lot of fun. I like the different phases. <laughs> All ten of them. <laughs> so, uh, my favorite phases are seven. Four. Yeah. I like that it's a game where you have to get runs and pairs slash triplets and colors. I think that's that's like, you know, yeah. The best of all worlds. It deepens as you go. Very good game. Uh so my my favorite game, I guess I'll also suggest it right now, at least traditional, is Villainous, uh by the Disney, the Walt Disney Company. Um it's a pretty difficult game. Uh, not a high skill ceiling, I would say, but it's so not difficult. I, I mean, it can't. It's 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 a, a steep learning curve, but once you got it, I think you got it. Um, so, but I couldn't imagine that game being digital if you ever played it. It's like sixty bucks if you want to try it. <laughs> it's kind of expensive. Is that expensive for a board game? I don't remember. Uh, relatively, yeah, yeah. But anyway, thanks, guys, for sharing uh, your opinions about traditional games. I appreciate uh, you letting me kind of take the reins a little bit today, Bradston. Um, oh, it's don't. I mean, you're, you get used to it. Get used no, to it. Not a chance. Uh, but uh, I just want to thank you guys. Thank you, Steve, for being here today, tonight. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Um, and my pressure. Your pressure. Mm. In a formal... Thank you, Brad. I will. I will. I only accept informal thank yous, but I will accept <laughs> Take this, this formal thank you. <laughs> you are clearly unschooled, but it's okay. Thank you. Get uh, learned. I, thank you informally. And you're welcome, <laughs> informal. And a huge thank you to the Super Agile Nation, our folks in the Discord, everyone who always drops a like and a comment on everywhere we post. And just the great vibes that we continuously feel when we're making these podcasts. Uh, nice vibes. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be nothing without every last one of you with your beautiful ears out there listening right now. So I implore you, have a great rest of the day. And catch us next time 
on the Super Agile Bros Podcast. We are out. Peace. <laughs>